0: If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. If not, we're going to have it up on the screen for you. Have you ever faced a hopeless situation in your life? Ever? Only half of us have. The other half of you are blessed. But you know, those hopeless situations, the odds are so against you that all you wanted to do was give up. All hope was gone. Ezekiel was facing something similar. And today, I just want to give you a message of encouragement today, and I I receive it as such. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 14 says this The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, that's the Ruah, the prophesied son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. It's a pretty awesome passage. Hopeless situations. And there's, a, there's, so, many, uh, there's so many roads you could run down with this, with this passage. But today, I want to just focus on hope. Hope when all hope is gone. Can these dry bones live? Ezekiel the prophet was facing this hopeless situation. He was walking around a valley looking at it. God gave him a tour and there's nothing there but bones. Not not just fresh bones but dry bones. Said they were very dry. They were done. There was no life there. It was a terrible time in the history of Israel Uh, See, Ezekiel had wanted to see the nation turn back to God. They had turned away from God. They had disobeyed God, and now they were paying the price for their disobedience. And um, it was just a horrible, terrible time. Israel had been defeated in battle. They were taken away as slaves to a foreign land, serving a foreign godless king. And Ezekiel was trying hard to do all the right things, to see people turn back to God but he wasn't seeing much success. He was working hard, but not a whole lot was happening. Ever had that? But in chapter 37, God lets him know that a day of revival is coming for the nation of Israel. He says, I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to send them home. I'm going to raise them from the dead. They're going to return to be the nation that, that, they, that they, they once were to return to a nation that, that that is prosperous, that is life-filled. Now, he says, it looks like and feels like a, a utter, it's, it's an utter wasteland. It's a, it's a desert. It's a valley of dry bones. There's no life. There's no goodness. There's no hope here. But you see, the core message of the story that I want to focus on today is that the valley Uh, The story of the Valley of the Dry Bones is that God has the power to bring dead things back to life. He has the power to bring dead things back to life. He brings hope when all hope is gone. He is hope when there is no other hope. He is a God of the impossible. He can solve and change any situation that you're facing, anything that seems lost and dry and broken and dead. He is the one who restores life. He is the one who gives hope. He is the one who pours water into a wasteland. He is the one who can make dry bones come to life again. This is the message that he wants us to get today. He starts by giving Ezekiel this look into this valley, this hopeless valley. I call it the hopeless valley. Ezekiel's taken by the Spirit to a valley. that's filled with dry bones. They're scattered all over the place. It's not just a few bones. It's, 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 it's hundreds of bones. It's thousands of bones. It's a massive, massive valley filled with bones. God tells him the bones represent the people of Israel. The nation had been crushed. The people had been separated into exile. It was a bad time. They had abandoned God, their suffering. But he says, all of Israel, I know, is discouraged. Everybody's exhausted. I know you're working hard. I know you're not seeing a whole lot. I know that everybody is poor, that it seems so dry and so barren. I know that you feel like it's, it, it, your whole situation is as good as dead. But I want you to know, as you look through this valley of dry bones, it looks like a place of death. It looks like a place of hopelessness. And so God takes Ezekiel on this tour. And that's all he sees. It's all he sees. He just sees a wasteland. There's no hope. And there's no life. That's not very encouraging, is it? But That's how the story starts. He wants to impress upon Ezekiel maybe how bad it really is. And I think he did a good job. But here's this wonderful turn. We call it the TSN turning point. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse three, put that up for me. He asks me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, I just want you to think about it for a second, because I I want you to ponder how amazing Ezekiel's response is. It's, It's a powerful, powerful response he says, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now, think about it, okay? God takes him, he shows him a place of death, hopelessness, and then he says, So, can these bones live? So, if he if he says no, then he's showing no faith and belief and hope in the power of God. If, if he says, Here's the other thing that we do. Sometimes, In the Valley of Dry Bones, and God asks us this question, can can your dry bones live? Sometimes we say no because we don't have enough faith. And the other thing that we do constantly is we say, yes, Lord, they can live, and let me tell you how you should do it. Because clearly I know best, and if you would just do this and this and this, move this here, move this here, turn this, move this, it would work perfectly. You've never done that before, I'm sure, but, but you know, I'm, I'm joking. Like, we do it all the time. Ezekiel's response is wonderful. God asks a question, by the way, and every time God asks a question, almost every time God asks a question in, in Scripture, it will always reveal something about you. It, it just happens all the time. What's in your heart? What kind of a response are you going to give? As if God asks you a question because he needs to know the answer. He asks you a question because he's trying to show you something about you, right? This is why he asks a question, right? So it reveals what's in your heart. He says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel gives this brilliant, great answer, and he says, only you know now it might not seem like a brilliant answer but it really is see he knew god could do whatever he wanted to do he knew that there was no way in the natural that these bones were going to come to life he knew that the situation was hopeless as far as he was concerned but he knew that god could do whatever he wanted to do he doesn't try to tell god what to do he doesn't try to he doesn't try to you know, uh, put any pieces together. He just leaves it in God's hands. I just want, just settle there for a second. He leaves it in God's hands. You realize how neat that is? We don't do that very well. See, the moment, and, and, and here's the thing to catch. The moment that he does... There's this process of restoration that begins. See, so many times we face difficult times. We like to give God suggestions as to how he should solve this problem. We'll say, look, we, we're, we're beyond the no. We believe you can do this. But I really think, you know, that it needs to be done this way. And then, it, and then as we pray and as we believe, we're believing God to answer inside our little box. Because we're pretty sure this is the best way. And sometimes we, we, we miss everything that he wants to do. Many times we've, we face these, these difficulties and we give him suggestions. And Ezekiel left it up to God. He just left it up to God. And there's something we can learn from that, don't you think? It's like Father knows best, really, right? Father knows best. And it struck me that sometimes in our prayers, we beg, we plead, we... You know, there's times for, for, for different kinds of things. But isn't a faith-filled prayer, Lord, you know, and I know you can do it. And so I leave it in your hands. May, may you come in power and do what you want to do. There's something, there's something, I guess, peaceful about that. And I think sometimes we rile ourselves up praying and praying and praying. Because we want the answer to to fit into into our box. We get ourselves so convinced about how a problem should be solved. We get ourselves so convinced that this is what needs to be done. We we like to think that we know what the best thing to do is. But we have to allow God to have his way. We have to let him do it according to his plan, his time, his method. He, He is the best. He knows what's best. And so... Take that today as a little nugget. You know, the answer to the question, can these dry bones live? How do you answer that question for the dry bones in your own life? How do you answer it? Ezekiel answered well. See, our stubborn pride sometimes and our small faith, it can hinder the restoration that God has in mind. It's not by might. It's not by power. Come on. But it's by my what? Right, so you're facing impossible situations, right? You're facing things that you can't change in your own strength and in your own wisdom. When you face an impossible situation that you can't do anything about, you must be led by the Spirit. He must be doing it or nothing will happen. So... If we want impossible things to change we have to say it's up to you, that's your job, I can't do anything about it. You know all the details, you know exactly what needs to be done, I don't pretend to try to tell you what to do, I don't have to share with you every myriad of detail about this problem. You understand, and I just want you to know that I release this to you. I believe that dry bones can live. I believe that you are able, capable. I believe that you're the mountain mover. I believe that you're a God of the impossible, and I leave it to you to answer your way, your time, because I trust you. You alone know. There's something powerful about that. We have to have the faith in Jesus to do what we cannot do. And leave the rest to him. There's cooperation many times needed. But after you've done all that you can do, all that's left to do is stand and wait. So believing for the impossible, it requires faith, it requires hope. And by the way, it's another sermon, but faith and hope are almost like they're this, this, these intertwined qualities. I, I almost call them symbiotic they have this symbiotic type relationship that I, I, I think about when I have, when my faith increases, guess what also increases? My hope. And when my, when my hope increases, guess what increases? My faith to believe. It seems like they work together. And you're in a small group this week. Why don't you talk about that? Talk about those two qualities. But we, we can't please God without faith. You just can't do it. That's what the word says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He wants us to have it. And by the way, he wants us to have it in large amounts, not just little amounts. He wants it to be growing, to be ever growing. He wants you to have more faith this year than you had last year. He wants you to be continually growing in your faith. So what is your response When he asks you, if your valley, if your personal valley of dry bones can live, what's your response? Do you place it in his hands and believe by faith and keep your hope alive? Or do you give up and walk away? See, do you walk away discouraged? Do you walk away wounded? Do you walk away doubting his goodness and his love? Doubting his power? Doubting your own self esteem. I guess I'm just not worthy of his time. My problem's not big enough. This is what the enemy does to us, right? You try and tell God uh, how he should fix the problem because, of course, you know best. How are you dealing with your mountains? How are you dealing with the situations that seem impossible? What are you doing with your dry bones? How are you dealing with it? And when God says to you, Can these dry bones live? Can your situation change? Do you believe that this miracle can happen? Do you believe that this person can be saved? Do you believe this? How do we answer? See, it's important how we answer because it reveals what's on the inside. Abraham, you remember the story about Abraham? The Bible describes Abraham. He's the father of, of nations, and he's married to a lady named Sarah. And God promises him a son, and they were married a long time. Emphasize long. And he's old. I mean old. Older than anyone in this room. His wife is old. It seemed like an impossible dream. He waited. He waited. He waited. Did God promise? Did God promise him? Does God come through on his promises? Is he a God that lies? No. He waited. And he waited. And he waited. Do you imagine in all those years, he didn't walk around going, Anytime, Lord, anytime. If you hadn't noticed, I'm getting older, and my wife is really getting older. Want to have this baby before, you know, you know, you know. Really like to have this baby. Where's your promise? Both he and his wife were way too old to have children. They'd waited and waited and waited. But there was a reason for the waiting. Look at uh, Romans chapter 4, these verses uh, written about Abraham. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father uh, in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead. Here it is. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Come on. Read that the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Go ahead, into verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as Dead since he was a 100 years old, and Sarah's womb was dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. He's standing there saying, I thought the baby was going to come a long time ago, but I still believe. It said, he believed in hope, in hope, in hope he believed. His faith never wavered. He believed that God was going to deliver. This, my friends, what we talked about in Titus, this is not just hope. It's when we say we hope in God, it's not like saying, I hope the sun shines tomorrow. I hope it doesn't rain. No, it's different when we put hope in God. We, it's confident hope. It's saying, I hope. That he loves me. You can change hope for the word no. I know that he loves me. I know that heaven is my home. I know that he's going to pour out good things. I know that he is with me. I know that he is for me. It It is different when you talk about God. It's a confident hope, right? So how do you respond? When the Lord asks you about your situation, many of you today, a lot of us today, have a situation that's impossible. Right now, some of you are thinking about it right this very second. When the Lord asks you about this person, about this situation in your life, can these dry bones live? God told Ezekiel to prophesy to the dry bones. I love that. Just just stand up there and and. And just say, just, just speak it out, right? Just prophesy to the dry bones. This is what the sovereign Lord says, look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. See, there are some things in life that we just can't fix. We need divine intervention. We need the impossible moving God. We need him. It's not over, by the way, until God says it's over. See, Nebuchadnezzar thought it was over for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But guess what? Jesus had other plans. He walks into the fire and walks them out of the fire. It wasn't over for them. Mary and Martha thought it was over for their brother Lazarus. He was in the grave four days. But guess what? Jesus had other plans. It's not over until he says it's over. See, we believe in a God who brings the dead back to life. We believe in a God who creates new things out of nothing, Romans says, right? So when most people think it's over, God says, can these dry bones live? You're looking at your valley of dry bones, And in the natural, you're saying it's over. There's no life. There's no hope. This person is too far gone. This relationship is too dark. My finances, my business, everything about this is bad. I see no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no hope here. And God steps in and says, can your dry bones live? Can your dry bones live? It's revealing something about you. How you answer that question, right? Do you believe? That these dry bones can live. Do you have the faith and the hope to say, I, I, I come to the altar and I leave it at your feet. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm not trying to tell you how to do it. I'm not trying to tell you when to do it. I just believe that you can. That you are a God of, who, who holds promises and keeps promises. This is who you are. I believe that dry bones can live. Do you do that? Do you believe that a marriage can come together? Do you believe that a family can be restored? Do you believe that your business can bounce back? Do you believe that your dream can come true? Do you believe that your body can be healed? Do you believe that salvation can occur? Do you believe that hope can grow? Because it's not over until God says it's over. See, there's hope, confident hope. When all hope is gone, in the valley of dry bones, he is our source of strength. Can these dry bones live? Yes, God knows what to do. Keep fighting, keep believing, keep praying, keep Fasting, keep pressing in, keep moving because it's not over. Keep reading, keep interceding, keep trusting, keep trying, keep travailing because it's not over. Keep living, keep giving, keep going, keep hope alive, keep going. It's not over until he says it's over. This is who we're called to be. Can your dry bones live? He is hope when all hope is gone. He's the one. He's the only one. Lastly, let me touch on this and then we're going to finish up. The breath of life. I just couldn't let that go. The breath of life. Put up for me verse 7. Then the Lord, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Keep going. Uh, I'll go to verse 10. Keep going. Verse 8. No verse eight? There we go. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. See, first he says, prophesy over these dead bones. And he says, dead bones, life and health and strength will be returned to you. And all of a sudden, the bones rattle together. Flesh comes on, tendons come on, but they're still laying on the ground dead. And then he says, time to prophesy again. Prophesy to the spirit, he says, to the breath, right? They're not alive. You see, he speaks over the bones they had already come together, but they were not alive until the breath of God came into them and came upon them, right? The same thing, by the way, happened to Adam in the garden. Throw that up, uh, Genesis 2-7 for me. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then the man became the living being. See, the Hebrew word here that he's using for breath it's, it's Ruah, and it means breath, it means wind, it means spirit, Holy Spirit. It's, it's referred, the same word is used in many different times uh, throughout Scripture, but the whole point of, 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 uh, of what I want to get you to understand today is we need the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? We need the Holy Spirit. To really live the way God intends. Sometimes it's like the church in Sardis in Revelation 3. When God says, I know you have the reputation of being alive. But you're actually dead. That's what, God, that's what Jesus said to the church in Sardis. You, you think you're alive. I know you believe you're alive. But I want you to know you're actually dead. See... We can go through the motions as a church. We can go through the motions as an individual. We, I mean, the, the Christendom as a whole. If if we're just doing these deeds and trying to, you know, obey the commands and doing it all, it's not a bad thing. But we don't have the life of the Spirit in us. He's saying, prophesy so that the breath of the Spirit will wake you up and make you alive, and turn you into a vast army. Laying on the ground, looking alive like you're asleep, does nobody any good. A sleeping church, a sleeping believer does nobody any good. It's when the breath comes in to the person that they rise to their feet, and an army is established. It's the Spirit of God that does that to us. It's the Holy Spirit that turns us from Clark Kent into Superman. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the strength and the uttermost to go. He is the one. He has to breathe into us. We have to receive it. The the it's like we we live I got so much to say on that. I'm stuttering over my words. It's like we 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 live so far under our potential, so far under our potential. And it's a shame, and it's a sin, and it's a waste to live under our potential because we don't ask for the breath of the Spirit to fill us and give us life. Romans chapter 8 says the Spirit gives you life. That's what what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit gives you life. We need it. So this is what God wants to give us. He doesn't want us walking around without the presence of the life-giving Holy Spirit. He wants to breathe into us His Spirit so that we can go turn our church, and the church, the kingdom, into a living army that can go out and be lights in dark places, be shaken salt over every situation that needs our flavor. We can bring the victory of Jesus to the world. And the only way that's accomplished is when the Spirit breathes and turns us from a sleeping army into an army that's ready to go conquer the world. See, a church without the spirit may look alive, but it's not. And we need to stop kidding ourselves. We need his power. We need his power. How are we going to set the captives free? How are we gonna bind up the brokenhearted? How are people gonna get saved? Changed, healed, transformed. How are we going to do that without the Holy Spirit? We need the breath of God to breathe into us again. The power of the Spirit is so badly needed in our lives and in our church and in our world. We're desperate for it and we don't even know how desperate we are for it. We're so dry, we don't even know we're dry sometimes. We live in the valley of dry bones. Can these bones live? And we say, yes, God, you can do anything, but I don't know, maybe not. Nice sermon, pastor. Yeah, it's just the same. Well, I felt good for a half an hour while he was talking, you know. I can't give that to you. It's not my job. There's only one. He's Holy Spirit. He has to breathe this into us. He has to turn our valley of dry bones and make us alive in Jesus. He's the only one. He's he's the only one. Jesus sent him here for a reason. He's here to do a job, if we would let him do it. Look up Matthew, uh, put up for me Matthew 5, 14. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. This Jesus speaking, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. I, I just wanted to throw that verse up, because I just wanted to remind us all, Sometimes we say Jesus is the light of the world, and he ultimately is. But guess what? You are too. Because you have him inside you, and you have the breath of the Spirit in you. Jesus said to his followers, you, 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 you are the light of the world. And guess what? A town built on a hill can't be hidden. So guess what he's saying? You're the light of the world, and hide it under a bush? Oh, no. I'm gonna, right, hide it under a bush, oh no, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. shine. We're supposed to be shining. We're not supposed to be under a bush or under a cup or hidden away in a building. We're supposed to be out there lights in dark places like a town built on a hill that can't be hidden. We should be seen, we should be heard, we should be making a difference. We can't hide. A light in a dark room cannot be hidden. It just lights. This is who you are. As the Holy Spirit anoints us, as he empowers us, we make a difference wherever we go. And I just want to uh, uh, throw out this little principle. Uh, put up for me. Here's one example, and then I'll give you a personal one. Genesis 39, verse 5. This is uh, Joseph in the house of Potiphar after he had been taken as a slave. It says, from the time, this is Potiphar, from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he'd owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian. Why? Read it with me. Because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So here's my point. Potiphar was blessed. Why? Because Joseph was present. He wasn't blessed until Joseph arrived. He wasn't blessed the same way until Joseph was in the house. Why was he blessed? Because Joseph's presence, God's presence, the presence of the Spirit, was now in his home. Joseph's light was shining. He was making a difference. That he was bringing blessing to his master, even though his master didn't deserve it. But he brought the blessing with him. Wherever he went, he goes into prison. What happened? The whole place gets blessed because of Joseph. Everything changes Potiphar was blessed because he was present the anointing of the Holy Spirit We carry is supposed to help us be the difference maker Right, so guess what your business is better because your presence is there Right your boss is being blessed even though he or she may not know it right your neighborhood your street Your home, your town, your place of of wherever you go is blessed because you're in it. You go and you bring the blessing and the anointing of the Spirit. You are a difference maker. You are a light in a dark place. You are a source of blessing. This is who we are. I used to joke with this... uh, I I may have told this story a long time ago, but I, I used to joke with this barber. I used to go into this this barbershop to get my hair cut when I had more hair. And every time I walked in the door, every time I walked in the door, the whole place, the whole place like, like stood up to attention. The language cleaned up, the jokes cleaned up, the conversation turned. And I used to, I used to, at first, this is the honest truth, I used to Think, oh, no, guys, just don't, don't let me do that, don't. And then, and then the Lord went, no, you're a difference maker, right? Go in there. You have the power of the Spirit. So then, I used to walk in, open the door, and go, I have the power. I would walk in, and I'd walk in, and I'd see the whole room change. I'm not joking. The whole room would change, and I began to recognize something that I'm just nobody. It's, 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 it's the presence of the Lord, right? Yeah, okay, you're a pastor, blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't just it wasn't that. It's the presence of the Lord. I walked in and the place changed. The atmosphere changed. The language changed. The, the conversation turned. It was more like, oh, yeah, I haven't been to church in a long time. And oh, maybe I should come to your church. And oh, sorry, pastor. Maybe I'll. Oh, sorry, I just swore there. I, so I got to clean up my language. And oh, I got to try to like, get off smoking uh, marijuana. And uh, like, oh, the conversation changed. And I realized, I used to laugh. I used to open the door. I'd get out of my car, and I'd walk in, and I'd grab the door, and I'd go, here comes the power. And I'd open up, and I'd go, watch this. It's true. Joseph did it. Why can't I do it? Why can't you? He makes a difference. And the anointing of Holy Spirit that is in us, that we carry. He calls us to be a light, like a city on a hill can't be hidden. So a light in a dark room cannot go unnoticed. See, the bones in the valley were very dry, very dry. They weren't just dry. You know, you know that old commercial? I think it was for Sprite, the, the, the pop. And I'm showing my age. It's probably a long time ago, but there'd be a guy, and he was crawling on his hands and knees in the sand through the desert. You know, and he'd crawl, and somebody, somebody offer him water, and he say, "No, no, no, they can't have water, no." You know, and he crawled on his hands and knees. It's like building, building, right? Goes, he finds some place, and then he sits down, and it's like, Psst, you know. The place that some of us are in, it's really dry, It's really dry, and it feels really dead, and it feels really hopeless, and you feel really alone. But I want you to be encouraged today. Ezekiel was looking out over a valley, not just with bones, but with dry, dry bones. And I think that's why the Holy Spirit has so many ways that he's described. You know, he's one of the ways is he's he's compared to living water, right? That keeps us fresh. See, the Holy Spirit actually stops us from becoming dry bones. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit has the power to awaken life into situations that seem like they're dry bones. So I encourage you today, understand that if you know the Lord, you're a believer in Jesus. You're a carrier of hope. A carrier of hope. You're a carrier of hope where there is no hope. You're going to be in situations where there is no natural hope. There is no other hope. There is no man hope. There is no woman hope. There is no hope in a doctor. There is no hope in a pill. You're going to be in a situation where there is truly no hope. Man and all of our knowledge and all of our tech can't do anything about it. And yet you still are a source of hope. Do you understand? We are carriers of hope where there is no hope. Our hope is in God, the maker of heaven and earth. So can these dry bones live? It reveals something about us how we answer that question. Let's bow and pray. Father, thank you today. Thank you today. Band, come on back just for a moment. Thank you today, Lord. Thank you for your word. Your word is, Lord, so powerful. It's so real. It's so practical. It's so relevant when we understand. It says it's good for teaching. It's good for rebuking. It's good for encouraging. This morning, Lord, this passage is good for our encouragement. It's good to build up our faith. It's good to build up our hope. It's good to be reminded, all of us, that we serve a God who can give life to dry bones. And so I ask today, Jesus, that those of us who feel like we're particularly walking through a valley of dry bones, where our faith has wavered, where our hope is Seemed to be very small. Today's the day we're reminded. Today's the day, Lord. We just get that little kick in the pants. And when you lift us up and say. All things are possible to them who believe. That our God is still a God. Who does great things. And my job is to believe. To have hope. In hope, believe with hope to keep that faith from never wavering and to put my dry valley, to put my dry bones, to put my situation, this person, this loved one, this sickness, this business, this financial need, this relationship, whatever it is, we have to put it in your hands and stop trying to tell you how to fix it. We just need to put it in your hands and ask you to fix it. Any which way you like. Because you know best. And since you're for us. Lord your way is always going to be the best way. And so I ask you today. Lord in Jesus name. That this would be. An encouragement to somebody here. This would raise up our Lord. Our faith and our strength and our hope. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, I can only say the words, but it's you who delivers the power. And so, Lord, come in your might and come in your power. And lift us out of the valley of hopelessness. And set our feet on the rock. I pray, Lord, today that you would lift off anxiety. There's anxiety in the house today. And it needs to be gone. Trust God. There is fear, Lord, that needs to be removed. We're asking you to remove it in Jesus' name. I'm asking you, Lord, to lift off depression and discouragement in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit, and do that today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just stand with me for a moment. I want you to do something. He says this in verse 4. He said, I want you to prophesy to these dry bones. Are you with me? He says, I want you to say, dry bones, (laughs) listen to the word of the Lord. I'm going to put breath into you and I'm going to make you live again. I want you to take a moment right now, if you're here today and you're walking through an impossible, difficult situation. Instead of fretting about it, instead of trying to pray circles around it until you're tired and don't know what to say, let's do what the Lord told Ezekiel to do. He said, just prophesy to the dry bones. Right? You say, well, I'm not a prophet. Yeah, you you are for a moment. You are. Right? Prophesy to the dry bones and say, dry bones, you are going to live. Listen to the word of the Lord. Come on, now say it in your own words. Begin just to prophesy in that sense, to speak the words of the Lord over your situation. We prophesy to the dry bones. Listen to the word of the Lord. You will come alive. Life will be returned. The situation will change. Healing will happen Reconciliation is on the way. Hear, O oh dry bones, as we prophesy over you. Now just take a moment. The next thing he said was, now just prophesy, he said, or speak, life, the breath, the wind, the presence of the Holy Spirit into your own life and over this situation. Just do that now as well. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. Come into my life. Refresh me. Renew me. Strengthen me. Empower me. May my light grow stronger. And come, I just unleash the Holy Spirit into my valley of dry bones. Just unleash, unleash you, Holy Spirit, into my situation, into my darkness, into my valley, into my impossible, into my impossible. I unleash you. For it is impossible with me, but it is possible for you. So we just unleash the power of God. Unleash the presence of God. The breath of the Spirit would come and rise up the dead body to life again. We speak this in, Lord, and over our situations. And we thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you in Jesus' name.